0: Soon into the Gospel of Mark, we are presented with a day in the life of Jesus. There's an astonishing amount of activity. He teaches in the local synagogue, not like other rabbis who quoted teachers, but by just making startling pronouncements with authority. He backs up those words with deeds, casting out an evil spirit and healing Peter's mother-in-law. By nightfall, a crowd of the sick and demon-possessed were brought to him. The text in Mark says that the whole town of Capernaum was gathered around the house where he was staying. There must have been quite a crowd. Despite all the activity, I don't think that's where the real action of Jesus' life took place. I think the real action happened in silence. Soon after the description of this day, we find this statement in Mark. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. In Luke 5, we find something similar. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, if Jesus was the great hero of all time, I think we find here the power source of that heroic life. Here, he communed with his father and felt his identity as a beloved son. Here, he surely gathered strength for the quest ahead of him that would ultimately take him to the cross. And if the whole point of Jesus' coming is to make us like himself, then I think, too, that we are to become heroic as he was. We are to live in our identity as brothers of the living Christ and live out the quest he gives us as men. But all of that, like him, begins in the silence. We have to enter silence again and again, away from the pulls and temptations of the world to gain clarity and to regain our sanity. Here we can taste the presence of Jesus and feel the love of the Father. Here we can find strength and hope for our own quest, despite the opposition and roadblocks. It's in the silence that we become heroic. What we do in the world is to flow out of it. Here's another way to put it. All of our doing and obeying is to come out of being, being with God, being in communion with Him, and in dialogue with Him in prayer. I'm Bill DelVoe, and this is Heroic, a podcast about the surprising path to true manhood. Prayer is our experience of God. And that experience profoundly shapes all that is a part of the heroic journey, from beginning to end. Last episode, we discussed how we engage within ourselves, and now we'll talk about that same engagement, but this time pointed toward God. Trevin Wax will be joining us for this conversation. Trevin is the Bible publisher for Holman Bibles as part of BH Publishing and Lifeway. He is a pastor biblical scholar and author of six books, including gospel Center Teaching and This Is Our Time. You can find him writing at trevinwax.com as he is a featured blogger for the Gospel Coalition and active on Twitter at Trevan Wax. He is happily married with three children and lives in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Trevin brings to the table a whole host of experiences about how prayer has grown him as a man and helped him engage with God. Some of the topics we'll cover in this episode are, what keeps us from and what draws us to prayer, how to lead our families and our communities as prayers, how to interpret the ways our heroes in the Old Testament and New Testament prayed, how prayer is one of the most active things we can engage in, and the practices we can bring to prayer. Trevin is an avid reader like me, and also like me, talks with passion about the authors he loves. He brought that same passion and energy into our conversation about prayer. Trevin, thanks for being with us here today. Um, let's start with sort of a, um, the good and the bad about prayer. Talk about what keeps you from prayer, and then talk about what draws you to prayer.
1: Well, I, I think when most people, when they think about the question, what keeps them from prayer, prayer, a lot of times people immediately think time, right? You know, we're just too busy. Right. Don't have time. We have so much going on. And we do. We do. I mean, I'm a busy guy. I'll admit that, too. I, I, but I think there's a deeper answer to that question. Um, what keeps me from prayer is the, the sense of self-sufficiency that I have, that I don't need it.
0: I can figure it out on my own. That I'm
1: not dependent, yeah. right? And so I, I think the the um, that illusion that we can operate in our own power, apart from going to the Father, apart from that communion with God, um, that is ultimately what what keeps me from prayer. And I think that's the big struggle because it's 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 easy to look at the superficial thing and say it's a time commitment. Yeah. Uh, but we make time for the things we think are absolutely essential. We find a way to put them in our schedule. Somehow we, we eat, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, sleep. And sleep, right. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe not enough, or maybe we eat too much. <laughs> but we, we, uh, we find time for what we see as essential. When we don't make any time at all for prayer, I think that betrays that sense of um, that, that illusion that we have that we are that we're good on our so,
0: own. So talk about that a little bit because I think that's really hits up against the example of Christ. Mm-hmm. So what? how have you seen that illusion being broken down for you? Or how have you confronted that illusion?
1: Well, I, I wish I could say that it—, it in my own life it's come about just because i've just read the bible a lot and i've seen you know jesus prayed so i guess i need to pray because if he needed to if he was dependent on the father and the spirit then i should be but at the end of the day the thing that most breaks down that and and rips the veil of that illusion is terrible trials and tribulations it's suffering 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 and you know I, i remember a pastor who had um um been had had a ca- cancer diagnosis and was um uh you know working through just spiritually walking through the, a, a really tough road and was saying that one of the one of the blessings I guess that came through all of that was the ripping of the veil of the illusion that he is in control of his life of any aspect of, his of life, any aspect really. of his life yeah Absolutely, it's yes. it was this sort of that self sufficiency that independence suddenly he was dependent and he was not sufficient. And it was like, it, and he realized, you know, I'm dependent on God. I've been dependent on God my entire life. But somehow we fool ourselves into thinking that we are independent and self-sufficient. And it, sometimes it takes suffering to rip the mask off, rip the veil, and to say, no, no, this is actually reality. Mm-hmm. Reality is your dependence on, on God. And so for me, uh, personally, it, it that, uh, a, a growing uh, prayerfulness uh, has not come about just from willpower,
0: yeah, or from seeing the model of Christ, even.
1: N- no, it's come by me needing Christ yes. in in places of, of 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 real sorrow, and and real suffering. And you know, you know, it's interesting. Paul, you, remember Paul in the letter to the Thessalonians, where he says, you know, rejoice always, and he says, pray really? continually, pray without, without ceasing. ceasing. Yes. The temptation with rejoicing is that you only rejoice in the good times, but not in the bad times. But the temptation with prayer is that you pray only in the bad times and not in the good times. And Paul's saying, no, both of these all the time. All the There's time. Sense of joy all the time, prayer all the time, even though the temptations are opposite. And I think—and that's a, that's a hard lesson to learn, and sometimes it takes hard knocks in life. Yeah,
0: and it. I think for us as men, that's, that's really—I mean, that part of that sort of independent drive that we want to sort of do it on sure. our own— yeah really runs amok into that and i think suffering is the way that we are we are taught this and and speak to the positive for a minute what what draws you to prayer
1: yeah i um the 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 sense of well a couple of things um i'd say keep me praying one is in in times of suffering and trial um God's cultivating and He's developing the heart to where you want, you feel the need for Him, and so that draw that draws you to prayer. Sometimes through difficult circumstances will draw you to prayer. But for me, when I'm not in that moment of crisis, what what draws me to prayer is this um, this sense that um, I'm not the man that I'm called to be without the communion with the God who made me. It's that that deeper underlying sense of, if I'm going to live up uh, according to the calling that God has placed on my life, I need to keep that channel of conversation open. I've got, I've got to continue to have that, 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 that um, uh, uh, prayer life as part of that. Um, and so, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the ambition of wanting to be the man that God has created you to be. That's a God-given... I think it's a proper ambition. It's a God-given desire. Yeah. And so, th- that's the way. So, to me, what draws me to prayer is knowing I am less than who God has called less me to be. be. Less than what I should be. L- if L- I'm less not, than what I want to be. If I'm not, it isn't. But yeah, less than what I want to be. If I if this isn't part of my my life, I'm I'm not I'm not living up to my full potential, or uh, um really living with the sense of of dependence and glory given to God that I could be. If that's not a part of my. Of my life, and so that's an internal drive that then leads to a really relational outcome because it's about it's about that relationship with with God, staying in tune with the God who made me to be who He's made me to be. Right,
0: and that leads me to this next question, which is sort of on the same um, sort of wavelength. How has prayer and communion with God helped you, under, helped you understand what it means to be a man?
1: Yeah, I. Um, the way I the way I look at at this, and I I mean I certainly I'm, I'm we're answering these we're having this conversation about prayer. I don't think of myself as like an expert in a amazing and, prayer warrior. So we are bit.
0: all amateurs at prayer. Yeah, on, I, honestly, I
1: think of other people that I would say, man, talk to that person or, <laughs> or this person before you talk to me. Um, but when it comes to when it comes to manhood, the the way I look at it is. I am setting that one of the callings of a man is to set the tone and to set the example in the household in the church um, and and so if if there's not if prayer is not a part of who I am and what my family sees about me, i, I how would i how could I expect my wife to be a woman of prayer if I'm not? right if i'm not leading if yeah. i'm not actually yeah. show, if if there's not a part of my life that is showing that that's something that i'm dedicated to same thing with my kids you know uh, and and I'm, i there's something amazing about the power of a godly prayer warrior mother but it the power of a father who prays yes who sings who worships who it, who that 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 is exponentially more and i saw that i've seen that in my own um uh, family history and um and so i i look at that as that's that's part of what makes a man of god right is a man of god is a man of prayer um, and i mean do i do i always get that right no <laughs> do, uh, do we're always in process yeah we're in process, we're always on that. In process. but that the model of that yes. and you see it in jesus yes. you see it in paul you the, the mo- you see it in david i mean david wore your king and yet right. at the same time you know, pouring out these praises to God That's that right. That's right. are the basis and the foundation of his prayer, and so I think, you know, if if um, if David, sort of the model Old Testament king, and then you've got Jesus, of course, our uh, Savior and example in this, and then Paul and others are praying like this, then this is part of the image of of what a man is. A man is someone who recognizes his his utter dependence on God and is in. Faithful conversation with them.
0: And interestingly enough, when we think about being a son and hmm. being beloved sons of the Father, and you think about that for a minute, it's like living in that sort of rubric and that fabric, that tapestry of that, right. is really a life of dependency. What do sons do? Well, they depend on their dad.
1: Yeah, that's right. They
0: depend Absolutely. on their dad. So it's not like dependency becomes not something that's like, you know, that's less than a man. No, no, no. This is center point. This is like the bullseye yeah. of being a man. There's this deep sense of dependency, and
1: then out of this, this sort of strength flows. Yeah, there's a and there's a. It's a dependency that leads to modeling. I mean, because you think about it. I mean, that when Jesus is always talking about how you know, he's, he's talking about his relationship to the Father. There, there's a in, in the Gospel of John and some of those other places. There's an apprentice kind of language there. That, you know, what the, I see the father doing, exactly I'm doing right. what I'm about my father's business. I'm doing what the father's doing. What and I hear him say, that's, well, what, that's what I right. say. So it's a dependency. It, it's a dependence, but it's a healthy kind of dependence that leads to action. Right. So, I, you know, I think I think sometimes we shy away from prayer because as men, we're like we want to we want to do things and execute and accomplish. And but without realizing prayer is an action, it is the action of. Uh, reconfiguring your heart—it um, is the action that it, it's something God uses in the world, and so we, we can we can tend to see prayer as something I think more passive than it is. Yes. It is the battle. It is the battle.
0: Yeah, it's it's sort of ground zero yeah. for where it all happens or doesn't happen. Absolutely, well said. So let's do a little practicalities. How do you structure or try to structure your day in terms of making time for prayer?
1: yeah, this um, you know, I by the time this podcast airs, I may be doing something different. i I change things up quite a bit in in what I do uh, prayer wise. Um, but there several things have helped have helped me to a, a lot of people will a lot of people will say they pray occasionally, but may not, but they feel like they they have a challenge in in the in the discipline of regular praying, right? It's kind of like the. You know, guys who go—they work out a couple times a month, but weekend they have the warrior. challenge. Weekend yeah, warrior, weekend warrior. <laughs> you know, having the challenge of man three times a week, or uh, you know, it's just—it's the daily discipline, or it's the. So right. for me, what's been helpful is, um, uh, in in the morning, I've got I've I've got a Bible reading plan. And um, and then r- right now, what has been what I've been using for the really since really since last September, but I've used this off and on. Is um, after I do my Bible reading plan, I go I go write, a, I, I go write a letter to God. Anywhere. Sort of, you
0: you write your prayer out. I just
1: write it out. Yeah, and sometimes it's a couple paragraphs. Sometimes it's a page or two, depending on what else is going on. Sometimes, I, uh, part of it is a uh, Lord. It's kind of like I'm checking in. I'm checking in with with. My father and I'm telling him, "This is what, hey, this is what happened yesterday. Thank you for this. I, this is what's going on today. I need help in this and this and this. Uh, there's prayer and adoration as part of that. I generally, I try to start off the, that with." Some sometimes though I'm directly into needs. You wake up completely burdened about something, and it's just like, get it. Father. Start here's there. where I'm at. You're just starting you know? the yeah, I'm the just start where other songs do that. Just start where you are. Lord, help. Here's here's what's going on. You know, need help in this sphere of life or in that sphere of life. And so, um, and but for me to re- to write that out, um, it 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 helps me to 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 where I'm not. Uh, sometimes our prayers we they, they can start to feel rote and routine, and maybe can uh, we can. I, I don't know people if if there's no guide or no nothing like helping us with the conversation sometimes it can feel like well I just I'm saying the same things over, over and, and over, over again right. you know yep. and um, which I'm not against that and I got another way that I pray to that I kind of lean into that where I pray the Psalms um, I I pray Psalms every night um, but ab- b- before bed I try to do three to five Psalms a day. Uh, Which kind of and make those prayers? So you
0: have so you have some time in the morning, and then you have some time time at at night. night. So try and sort of uh, book book in the days. Yeah,
1: And then and then in the daytime, um, I, I, you know, there. I think when Paul's talking about pray continually, he just I don't think he means you're praying all the time, but that that line of communication is open (laughs) that you're have that you've got that that connection to the uh, to the Father. I I remember uh, there was a church leader of the past century who um uh, lady who who knew him well told me once that she was in a christian bookstore and he happened to be there and he was browsing he was older probably 70s 80s at the time um and he didn't know anyone was there and she looked down the aisle and she saw him and she's like oh there's so-and-so you know famous preacher famous pastor and he looked over to his side while he was just looking through something and he just said god i really need you today and she said she he didn't know she was even around and she just had chill bumps because she says he looked it looked like he was talking like just saying something right just talking to jesus right right there and she goes i she goes i she was like i just felt like the presence of god in the in the room because of the way he just was talking to him like he's right there and Because he sensed it, she suddenly realized the presence of God there, Um, and so throughout the day, I think, I mean, I aspire, I I want to be one who's who's just constantly leaning on the Lord when when I need to. You know, Nehemiah does that. So, so those are sort of like like, you know, I've heard
0: them call uh, like arrow prayers or something like throughout the day. So you have the book in in the morning and the night, and then you have sort of the ones you just sort of pitching up through the day. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think those routines—they the routine of morning and evening just helps to center your day, it, and it helps. And sometimes, you know, it's like Bible reading every day. Do you do you get something amazing, like lightning bolt insight out of the scriptures every single day you read the Bible? No, but that's not really the point. Over time, if you every day begins with "I want to hear from God" and "I want to speak to God," that forms you into a kind of person,
0: regardless
1: of whether or not. You get the lightning bolt insight. And and I think that's really
0: the word form is a really important word because something is happening inside of you. Absolutely. That over time that you can't even see, that is a real true transformation. And you're moving from that sort of independent, um, I can do this on my own, which that illusion into that dependence as a sign and really experiencing that.
1: Yeah, and I I think that formative, it's like the same thing with going to church. You know, we're listening to a sermon. Yeah, you can probably count on one hand the number of sermons that you remember so crystal clear that God used to just sort of. But I would, I would say, and I mean, I may, may be risky saying this, may not be true for everybody, but the one thousand sermons that you can't remember are more formative on you than the two or three that you can. In ways that you can't really identify, yes. In ways that you can't really understand, and it's the same way when you're on your knees in the morning before God, or you're. And actually, I've got a friend who's who's writing a book right now about he's saying kneeling prayer three times a day, kind of like the Daniel model, you know. But kneeling prayer, and I was like, why kneeling? Because you're like you are training your body to to you know to long to prostate yourself, to kneel before God, to even the the posture of your body of dependence dependence on God, and I there. You know we're bodily creatures. I think there's something to that, yeah. to that sort of, you know, desire to to link up, to get our heart going, to make our body go where we want our heart to follow. Yeah, that kind of thing. You know, it's
0: interesting you talk about the bookend because one of the things I've learned about my life is the is sort of the bookend approach. You know, I have to have that morning centering, and I do it all sorts of different sure. ways. But the evening is something that has always like I never really quite figured out how to. To, to move towards that And just recently I went through this period of insomnia Like I just couldn't fall asleep Or I'd wake up hmm. in the middle of the night And it just struck me recently Why don't I, as I'm falling asleep Just start the conversation with God Just yeah. praying for people Whatever comes to mind It's been uncanny how I All of a sudden relax and fall asleep And I want to make that note Because I've heard men tell me Well, I try and pray and I fall asleep And my answer is actually, so? that's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's actually yeah. a great way. It yeah. means like, what, how, I'm just depending a on God. in the the day? You, and, you know, know? <laughs> sleep is total yeah. dependence anyway. I'm right. just letting myself go. So prayer is sort of an entrance into that. And I, for me, it's like, it's been a great way to sort of counteract a very practical insomnia. Oh,
1: sure. Sure. Um, I'm, for me, I, the Psalms are the end of my day. I've got them on the nightstand right by bed. And just, I want that to be the last thing I'm thinking about before I before I go to bed and then in the morning Bible before phone <laughs> it's like those kinds of di- just discipline like we have the old style of alarm clock in our room because I don't even want the phone in the bedroom it's like no this is our like we you know phone free yeah. zones and I want when I get up and I go over to the desk I want the first thing to, that I touch to be the word now I'm not I don't I don't take that as like a legalistic everybody do that you're not no, holy if you don't do it's, that it's like, a heart
0: it's a heart practice it's a discipline thing it's, it's a just a, i want
1: to tell myself every day right this book is the most important right. communication here's the truth i need yeah. it's not gonna, book, I'm not
0: gonna get it on the phone necessarily not, the it's not gonna mainly happen on twitter, twitter. <laughs> at mainly the distractions that's right that's right um let's let's go here for a minute talk about the inner and this is a little harder question but i think it's important for men to at least hear the sense of being in communion with God, in conversation with Him, in, in dialogue with Him, what does that feel for you? That is back to our first question. That really draws you. What does communion with God actually feel like? What's the experience of that?
1: I I mean, for for me, it comes back. It comes down to when I'm reading scripture, I'm hearing the voice of God and I'm and I'm and I know that I'm I'm listening to him, I'm seeking out his his voice. And then when I'm praying, I'm I'm responding back, sometimes even with the words of God when you're doing Psalms and whatnot, to to that, to where the communion with God is not some kind of mystical, you know, suddenly I'm at peace with the world, kind of, you know, where everything just sort of falls away and it's you know, people you know the song turn your eyes upon jesus and that has that line and the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace there's a sense in which sometimes that's true and you know you just have this moment where you're just in awe of god in awe of something that you've just read in his word or in awe of uh something that he's doing in your life but i i don't find that to be the norm i find actually the opposite with turn your eyes upon Jesus, it's not that the things of earth grow strangely dim, but that they get clearer for me. Like I get an added clarity to what's going on in in the world because I've turned my eyes upon Jesus. Um, it's sort of like you see into them and or yes, and see through them. I, I can see through stuff that I should see through. I get a clarity around that kind of my personal calling and what I'm what I'm what I'm what I'm doing with my life. I can. Um um I I see things of Earth w- with a with a different lens with a with a, a sort a sort of spiritual discernment that comes from the spirit, I think um and so there are those times when you when you really feel close to God and then and then there are other times where it's just... Uh, You know, it's kind of like in a normal relationship with your dad. You know, you work alongside your dad. My dad, uh, you know, uh, inherited a family business from my grandfather. Now my brother's taking that business, printing company. When I worked alongside dad in the printing company, not all of our conversations when we'd be out for lunch or, you know, meeting in the morning, talking tactical stuff. or Not all of our conversations were the, you know, Dad, love you, son, I'm so proud of you. Kind of right. talk, you the, the know. Deeper the, the deeper heart thing. The deeper heart yeah. thing. Some, some, a lot of times it's just, it's just, we're, it's just life. Together. It's just block and tackle. Yeah. What are we doing here it's today? What, how, we, how, what, how we kinda, going? On. Yes. And so sometimes, so I think, I think we may put on ourselves a burden if we feel like every day that we pray, we're going to have this sort of really in depth, just sort of all of the love of God kind of feeling and experience. Um, we, those do come, but that's that's not always the norm. And I don't think that that, that means that somehow people are doing something wrong. Uh, there's a lot of conversations you have with dad that are that are 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 just it's just life, life stuff, just yeah. talking life. Just yeah. life stuff. and so and some of those are as meaningful as some of the deeper heart conversations that come at come at other times. And so prayers kind of like that, I think. Um, a lot of times it's just talking life, and then there then there are those times when, um, you, you sense that the, the healing presence of, of God and the, uh, the sort of empowerment that comes from from that, that that closeness that that comes from relationship with him. It's cultivated over time.
0: It is cultivated. and I think that's the thing when you talk about bringing us uh, through the process of suffering, again, learning that dependence. We have those moments I know in suffering where we we really feel can the, feel the presence of God and that's where he yes. can show up in some really, unusual ways yes. it's not the way we would have asked for but as we walk the route we go oh i see now i understand that's right. i think it's really important had you can actually have that communion, even that deeper sense of connection to god even in the midst of suffering
1: that is the blessing that comes from suffering and and you um i think it was luther who said something to the effect of uh is one of the best interpreters of god's word because you you see things in the text when you're going through a, a time of suffering you, it. you may miss yeah, that. yeah, that's yeah. right Right. May miss there's something about there's something about tears that open your eyes to god's presence opened your eyes to the presence that yeah. was all, all
0: always there always there and we just didn't have the eyes
1: sometimes to you don't see sometimes it's paradoxical because you generally get blurry eyed when you're crying <laughs> sometimes it takes a tear to actually for you to see clearly and that's what that's part of what god's what God's doing in, in, in all of our lives. And that's, um, I mean, that's, the, that's the beauty of cultivating over the long term that relationship with God so that when you're, when you're in that moment, you're, you know you're not alone. You know you're not alone because you've been walking this road for, for a long time right? um, with the God who made you.
0: You know, Trevor, as I think back on our conversation, prayer to me seems like the deep centering of a man. It's the place where we It's the well that we go to to draw from, and it's that well by which we live out of and begin to offer Hmm. what is truly good and right and strong to the world. Yes. This has been Heroic. Join us for the next episode as we turn to more practical ways to help men as they desire to turn toward God and engage Him on their heroic journey. If you're enjoying the Heroic Podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend who might want to listen in. Rating and word of mouth are the best ways to get the word out. You might also like my book Heroic, The Surprising Path to True Manhood. Heroic will give you what you need to take the journey to become a man. It will help you find your guide for the journey, own your true identity, and discover your quest. This is how we become truly heroic. Go to heroicbook.com for more information and to order a copy. That's heroicbook.com.